as we remain standing the hearing of God's word, this theme that we've chosen for this year of 2020 is simply called perfect vision, seeing as God sees. The first series in this year of perfect vision is entitled Seeing Ourselves as God Sees Us. This is the third of seven messages in this series. There are two scriptures that we want to share, two texts. The book of Jeremiah chapter 18 and verse 6 as well as the book of Isaiah chapter 64 and verse 8. Both will be read from the New International Version. Hear the reading of God's holy word in Jeremiah chapter 18 and verse 6. And it reads, He said, God said to the prophet Jeremiah, Can I not do with you, Israel, as this potter does, declareth the Lord. Listen to this. Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, Israel. So are you in my hand, by the way, the United States of America, every human being on earth. So are you in God's hand. Amen. The book of Isaiah chapter 64 and verse 8 is where the subject for today's message is found. The prophet Isaiah declareth, yet you, Lord, are our father. We are the clay. Somebody say clay, clay. You are the potter. Now listen to this. This is the subject. We are all, somebody say A-L-L. We are all the work of your hand. And the church said amen. amen. The series is entitled Seeing Ourselves as God Sees Us. This third message of the series simply says, look at someone standing next to you and says, the work of his hand. That's what we want to talk about. Clap those hands as you take your seat. The work of his hands. I told folk, if you don't like who I am, what I have become, take it up with the potter. Amen. Listen, throughout this series, this first series of 2020, we have talked about the importance of seeing ourselves as God sees us and not as others may see us or even as what perhaps our circumstances 
may suggest about us. You are not who they say you are. You don't have to become what they declared over you. Amen? Just because your money is short doesn't mean you have to say you're broke. Can I talk to somebody? Just because things have not gone the way you had desired they would go in your life, don't you let anybody call you a loser. It's a lie from the pit of hell. Amen. You are not who they say you are, what they think you are, or even, you are not even what you are going through. <laughs> Amen. Somebody, somebody wrote a song a couple of years ago called, I don't look like what I've been through. Is there anybody know that you are blessed, redeemed, a child of the living God? First message of this series, we simply said that we know we are not perfect. We know that we still make mistakes. We know that there have been times in our life in which we have come short of what God expected of us. But guess what? We are redeemed. We have been brought with a price. Somebody paid the ransom for our freedom. If you are free today, it is because God freed you. So good to see you, Sister Delitha. We miss you, baby. Back, you're back in service. God bless you. Amen. If you have been set free, it is because the blood of Jesus paid the price. I wish I had a witness. If, if there's any good thing that's going on in your life, it is because God had made it possible. Not by power, nor by might, but God said, but by my spirit, said, are there any, I just want to make sure I'm in the right place. Are there any redeemed folk in here? Know that you're not perfect. You're just redeemed. That, that God gave you a second chance. Someone ought to clap your hands and give God the praise that you are redeemed. And then in the second message, that's why you don't want to miss any in this series. In the second message of this series, we simply says not only are we redeemed, message number one, but message number two says we are blessed. Somebody at the church reminded me and pastor highly favored. <laughs> Ooh, I did. So somebody know that you are blessed and highly favored. Now, I just want to be clear. We're not declaring you blessed because of the digits associated with your bank account. <laughs> because if, if some of us had to be declared blessed on our bank account, we wouldn't meet that threshold. We're not blessed because of where we live, what we drive, what paper hangs on the wall that we may have matriculated through. 
We are blessed simply because we are a child of the living God. You are blessed not just because of who you are, but because of whose you are. Somebody in here know that you belong to the Lord. Deuteronomy 28 says you are blessed going in, blessed coming out, blessed in the city, blessed in the country. This is the part I like. And all these blessings shall follow you and overtake you. You are blessed before you had anything. Can I just set the record straight? Because see, there, there, there are folk who misjudge who you are based on what they think you have. We live in a vain society. We live in a society where folk can borrow money and get dressed up and people think they're blessed. Somebody just caught it. And then we live in a society where blessed folk can walk around with dirty under, uh, 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 jeans on and dirty clothes on. And we'll say, oh, God, they need some help. Well, you can't judge a book by the cover. Come on. I need y'all to help me out. Amen. Look at somebody and say, I am one blessed somebody. See, folk don't need to know why. Well, they want to know why. I just tell them because I belong to the Lord. Not because I've got money, cars, clothes. Not because I've got the greatest job in the world. Every morning I wake up and there's breath in my body. I'm blessed. If I can just lift my hand, if I can put a spoon to my mouth. In fact, if somebody else can help me feed myself, I am still Listen, it takes faith to declare you're blessed when you're going through something that everybody else does not share that opinion. Did you get it? Because you know, unlike anybody else know, amen, somebody say, you can't tell it, let me tell it. That the Lord has been, God has given, oh, good God, God just dropped something in my spirit. God has given some of us secret blessings that deserves public praises. Try that again. I, I know it's raining and cloudy. And, and some of your praises do not need explanations. In other words, folk look at you and say, why are you so happy? Why are you so joyful? Tell them, I don't really have to explain it to you. But trust me, there's a reason for my praise. Is there anybody in here that has a public praise over secret deliverance? Private deliverance with a public praise. You've got 10 seconds from the depths of your belly. Look at somebody and shout bless. Let me move on before church breaks out. Somebody feel like hollering right now, but you just 
you don't want somebody next to you to think you're one of those fanatical people. And so you're trying to hold yourself because you don't want them to think you're one of those people that have lost your mind. But look at somebody and say, give me 10 seconds to ignore whatever you may think about me. And when I think of the... All he's done for me. My soul cries out. Five more seconds. Five, four, three, two, one. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. And so here we are, week number three, message number three, God has given us an assignment to discuss the fact that not only are we redeemed, not only are we blessed, but we are the work of his hand. <laughs> we are a work in progress. In other words, God is not through with us yet. We are vessels of clay in the hands of a merciful God. That's who we are. There's some things about our lives that God is still working on. There's some things that God is still shaping, molding us. And so if you are inclined to judge me with my current state, let me just warn you that what you see is not how I'm going to end up. <laughs> I just need just a hand, maybe in the balcony, in the choir, just somebody to know that God is still working on me, that uh, God, is, God is still shaping me and holding me. Listen, my brothers and sisters, there are several biblical references that described our lives as vessels of clay from God's perspective. Remember, throughout this series, we are talking from God's perspective. The Apostle Paul referenced one in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians, I would advise all of you to go home and read it. From verse 7 on down to verse number 11, he talks about some powerful things. But uh, verse 7, and upstairs, uh, I'm going to need you to go with 8 and 9, also those verses, because I want to show you something. We didn't have time to get into that during the 8, but I want to share this. Listen to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 before we get to our text. He says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay Whew. to 
to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not us. In other words, God wrapped us in clay vessels. He made us fragile, intentional. Somebody please catch this. God says, I could have made you a little stronger. But, but perhaps some of you, your egos would have taken credit if you never went through anything. So he made us fragile. He made us grieve intensely. He made us hurt uh, in a powerful way. And then verse number eight and verse number nine, then Paul, look at what Paul describes our fragile nature. I hadn't planned to share this, but God told me to do it. He described our fragile nature, Mother Jackson. He writes, we are hard pressed on every side, but we are not crushed or destroyed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Verse number nine says, we are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but not destroyed. In other words, I have been through something, but I'm still here. And I'm still, who am I preaching to? I, am I preaching to anybody that's been bruised, abused, knocked around, knocked down, folk walked all over you? gave you up for dead but God stepped right in and said I can restore your fragile self and God did something that only God could do somebody ought to just shout glory one time just to get on the enemy's nerve those demons that's trying to rise up inside of you. Somebody ought to just shout, but God. And, and, and in fact, speak to yourself and say, look what the Lord has done. Any witnesses? And so throughout the Bible, God uses the analogy of clay to talk about our fragile lives. And so we find this in these two text references, both Jeremiah and the prophet Isaiah talks about this clay analogy. Let us begin by looking at what Jeremiah says in chapter 18. God uses this powerful analogy to describe to Jeremiah so that he could relay to the nation of Israel a special relationship that God had with them. They were not perfect. In fact, they were a people who had not always been faithful to God as God was to them. Let me share a couple prophetic utterances about who Israel were when they were going through their times of disobedience. God says, I, I gave you stuff that you did not even earn. I gave you houses that you did not build. I gave you vineyards of fruit that you did not plant. 
I destroyed your enemies when they came upon you. Yet they turned their backs on God. God was so disgusted that God used a prophet to refer to Israel as backsliding heifers. These are not my words, Dr. Helms. These are God's words. God says, you are like backsliding heifers. And then God uses another prophet to say, you are whores under every green tree. In other words, anything that looks alive, you join yourself to it. Preach Pastor Jackson. You forgot I was the one who delivered you out of Egypt. You forgot that when the enemy tried to destroy you, I raised my hand. I separated the Red Sea and all of Pharaoh's army drowned in the Red Sea simply because I looked out for you. Yet you turned your back on me. God could have destroyed them. God could have wiped them off of the face of the earth. God could have forgotten about them. But he uses this analogy through the prophet Jeremiah and Isaiah to speak to Israel to say that I know you've done wrong as I am concerned. And I know you have not always been obedient. But I will not give up on you. Somebody ought to thank God. Because, see, let me let you in on something. A whole lot of us come to church all dressed up but still messed up. A whole lot of us look more holier than what we actually live. A whole lot of us can clap, dance, and shout, but we have a difficult time Monday through Saturday living what we shout about on Sunday. Preach, Pastor. And it's not just a few of us. We all struggle with the reality of living up to God's expectations. So God raises up a prophet by the name of Jeremiah. And in verse number 2 of chapter 18, may I preach this? God sends Jeremiah on a field trip to the house of a potter. God, listen to this. Someone writes this in their commentary, and God told me to include it in this message. Quote, God uses a very common place as the setting for an uncommon, profound revelation. In other words, God says that I'm going to send you to a place that is common. There were a lot of potter's houses during that time. But here's what God says. It is important, and I need you to listen to this, to note that the revelation followed Jeremiah's obedience. If he had never got up and went, he never would have seen somebody. In this year of perfect vision, you want revelation, but you don't want to be obedient. And God said, I only show you as far as your faith will take you. Catch it. Look at somebody and say, catch it. 
So he had to tell Jeremiah had to have the faith and obedience to go to a place without knowing why he was going. In other words, get up, leave your house, and go to the potter's house. And when you get there, I'll speak to you. He did. He got up. He went. Once he arrived at the potter's house, he observed, Jeremiah did. May I preach this? A skillful craftsman working at the wheel on a special project. A vessel made of clay by the hands of the potter. Now let me help you out. And, and, a guy, and I had to make sure of this because in between 8 and 11, I had to go back. I said, well, I don't want to say it if it's not true. God says there are all kinds of vessels that could have been made during that day. There were glass vessels, and there were ceramic vessels, uh, but, 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 <laughs> somebody just caught it, Jeff, but he chose a clay vessel for a reason. I want to help you understand, because when glass shatters, it's gone. Am I right about it? It's almost impossible to put glass that shadows back together again. When ceramic breaks, it breaks into pieces. And here's what somebody said in between 8 and 11. You can glue ceramic back together, but it'll show where the glue is. Let me preach to this side of the church. And God said, the reason I chose clay, because clay can be flawed and messed up, and you can reuse it, and you'll never see the scars that it once had. Can I preach to somebody? All I need is 10 transparent people that know you got some hidden scars that nobody can see, but you're still here. Stand and give God the glory. Can I preach? May I preach? Should I preach this? And so he sends him to a craftsman's house and he sees the potter with not glass or ceramic but with clay in his hand and he's shaping the clay and he's molding the clay. Something else I discovered in between 8 and 11. You've got to shape it before you put it in the furnace. Somebody just caught it. Look at somebody said, don't miss that. God's got to shape it and mold it and get all of the crooks out before you put it in the furnace. May I preach this? I wish I had time to deal with this. God says, I'm still shaping you and 
molding you. If you're going through hell, it's because God has got all of what he want out of you. And the hell is not to destroy you, but just to cement and just to finish what God has already. in your life the fire of what you're going through is not to destroy you but just to finish what God has been working on let me preach this I only have 15 more minutes maybe 10 verse number 4 but the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred. Look at the next three words. Look at it. Look at somebody and say, watch this. It was marred in his hands. Next time somebody look at you, you say, you really messed up. Say, but at least I'm still in his hands. what it said right the new living translation says it did not turn out as he had hoped the message bible says what the potter was working on turned out badly as sometimes happen when you're working with knuckleheads like us I mean clay <laughs> Sometimes we turn out badly. Ooh, but go with me. Verse number four. The New Living Translation. I got to read this. They got to put it on the board so that you can see it. Ah, they got to put this on the board so you can see it. Ah, verse number four. But the jar he was making did not turn out as he hoped oh look at the next four words and the, the next six or seven words so who am i preaching to so you had some issues and in order for God to address your issues, he had to crush you. Did you see it? Did you see it? Look at somebody and say, God had to crush me in order to make me better. Uh, it was good that I was persecuted. I have learned from my mistakes. Joseph said, for what you meant for evil, God intended it for my good. Now, this is not for everybody. Some of you are too proud, too uppity, too sedated to ever admit this. But is there anybody in here that thank God that you had to be crushed in order to end up where you are, how you are, with who you ended up with? If it had not been for the question, if I, 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 
somebody put a praise on it. Look at somebody and say, I am so glad that God crushed me. I'm so glad that God. Come on, somebody. Just do your hands like this. Crush me, Lord. Crush me, Lord. Shape me, Lord. Do what you need to do in my life. You've got 15 seconds to give God your best praise for whatever you had to go through to end up where you are now. Somebody ought to praise him. Somebody! If you know God crushed you for a reason, just stand up one second, ten seconds. If you got to lean and get up and just say, Lord, I thank you. If it had not been for the question, you wouldn't be where you are today. Thank God he crushed you. Y'all excuse me. Somebody ought to put a praise on the fact that God crushed you. what it says it even explains why he crushed you in that one verse it says this cousin Jimmy it says he crushed the clay so he can start all over again <laughs> somebody just caught it look at somebody and say neighbor you had to go through that difficult relationship you had to have lost that job God needed your family to act crazy God needed you to cry all those nights you cried. God had to crush your spirit so that God can start all over again. And the reason you got joy today is that you went through something yesterday. You ought to give God a praise for the crushing. Say yeah. Say yeah. Tell the Lord thank you. Leave your seat and say, crush, 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 cross the aisles and touch somebody and say, crush. Wave at somebody and say, crush, crush. Give somebody a high five. Say, crush, 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 crush. Come on, by the way. Come on, Zion. Come on.
need you to encourage somebody standing next to you and say whatever you're going through just remember you are still in his hands you are the work of his hand and God is about to start all over again I need you to prophesy in somebody's life and say something good is about to come out of this mess something good is about to come out of your sickness something good is about Y'all excuse us. Somebody's about to put a praise on it. Something is about to happen. Go touch three people. Say, get ready. Tell somebody, get ready. Something. Something. Something is about to come out of this. I hear a war cry. I hear a war cry. Somebody meet me at the altar. Come on, come on, in the balcony, in the back. Excuse me. I am the work of his hand. I'm still in his hand. I'm still in his hand. Where are my praises? Where are my praises? something God did that only God could have done. Anybody know God kept you in his hand? Anybody glad God has kept you when you almost lost your mind? 
when the devil thought he had you, God, God kept you. Somebody ought to tell the Lord, thank you. You didn't have to do it, but you did. You could have thrown me away, but you kept me. But you kept me. But you kept me. Lord, I thank you for keeping my family. I thank you for keeping me in perfect peace. Let me share with you how God wraps this up. As you stand to your feet, I invite you to this altar, verses 5 and 6. And I really want you to come back on Tuesday because I had three key points that I didn't even get to. But verses 5 and 6 says, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. And he said to Jeremiah, can I not do with you, Israel? as the potter does declareth the Lord like clay in the hand of the potter so are you in my hand Israel Isaiah 64 in verse number 8 that third clause says we are the clay you are the potter we are all every last one of us we are all the work of your hand, God. I've got news for you. I don't care how messed up your life is. I don't care what you may be going through now. God told me to stop by and tell you, you're still in his hand. You are the work of his hand. In fact... God has his hand on you. And the reason why your family has not fallen apart is because God has his hand on you. Can I let you in on something? There are members of your family ought to be grateful that you are a part of that family. Because the only reason why it hasn't totally fallen apart it's because you are a part of it. And God has his hand on you. As you approach this altar, I want to share the words of this song from my dear friend, Pastor Marvin Sapp. Pastor Sapp is a dear friend. He's preached several times before. He and I ran into each other in the airport after his wife died. And we embraced each other. Pastor Sapp said to me, man, it was hard. 
it was hard. I have a young family with young kids at the time. My wife, middle age at best, had gone away. But God inspired him to write the words of this song. And the song is entitled, He Has His Hand on You. Listen to these words. He sees the tears you cry. He shares your pain inside. And sometimes you wonder why he allows you to go through what you go through. Help me by looking at somebody and say, just know he has his hands on you. Pastor Marvin Sapp goes on to write, your days are filled with dark clouds even when the sun is still out and from the top of your lungs you shout will there ever be a change what shall I do uh, once again look at somebody and say just know he has his hands on you he'll see you through when you cry, he's holding you. Just lift your hands up high, for he will provide. Just know. Ooh, tell somebody, just know he has his hands on you. Come on, choir. Thank you, Brother Anthony. Yeah. Thank you, choir. Yeah. Same young man. I don't know about you, but that's my testimony. I know that's yours. Some of you, I know what you've been through. God is speaking to somebody right now. Everybody block out everything else. Just you and God right now. Lift those hands and come on. Dark clouds. Even with the sun is out. And from the top of your
sometimes, sometimes you feel so alone. Sing, Brother Anthony. Yeah, yeah. Like a child Ooh. lost with no home. Ooh, yeah, yeah. They keep telling Ooh. you to be strong. times in our lives which the enemy has tried to convince you to give up on yourselves perhaps on your sons or daughters other people in your life but I've got a message for every demon from the pit of hell we are the work of his hands in other words God is still working on us and that analogy that I gave that he shapes and molds us before we're put into the furnace. <laughs> because the furnace bakes in what the potter has done. <laughs> Once you hit the furnace, it's done. God says, I'm going to mold you and shape you before you walk through the valleys of the shadows of death. <laughs> <laughs> Sister Rose, God shaped you before the tragedy. The reason you can survive losing a husband and a son is because God still has his hands on you. And I don't know who else I'm speaking to this day, but God said there's somebody that's going through tragedy right now. It's not over. God says you're coming out of this you will laugh again you will rejoice again because we are the work of his hand now here is the key it all depends on your relationship you've got to have a relationship with God in order to hear his voice and to obey his instructions and the reason why so many of you are in this place today the reason why thousands of you are listening by way of radio and watching by way of internet is because you have that or you are seeking that kind of relationship with God. I'm not going to stand up here and tell you that there would not be difficult days. I am not going to tell you that there won't be times in your life in which your heart is going to ache. But here's what I am 
going to say, in the midst of everything you've got to go through, he still has you in his hands. His hands are still on you. You are the work of his hand. Close those eyes. And perhaps there's someone in here today, someone listening, if you're listening, viewing, put the phone number on the screen, 188-776-1238. If you call right now, someone would pick up that phone and they'll pray you through it. They'll walk you through it. We reject the spirit of suicide. God just told me this. We, we are living in an age, and I want all of my young people to hear this, and I'm so proud of so many young people. I saw beautiful young couples come in today and sit down and worship together and others, and God says, you have to pray twice as hard if you're young, and I'm going to tell you, you know why? Because those of us that are older, most of our lives are behind us. But God knows you still have awesome potential. And when folks see young people lifting their hands, giving God the praise, coming through this situation, and say, I still trust God. You still got 50 plus years that God can use you to be an example to somebody else. And so the enemy wants your seed, Gloria. The enemy wants to destroy this young generation. But they can't have us. Ooh. They can't have us. And what God does, God has a reason. I've been through situations. And one day my son, I testify about how the enemy almost had his mind in a total mental breakdown. And the enemy told me I couldn't even get to him. My sisters had to drive to Atlanta to check on my own flesh and blood. And the devil said, it's over. He's going to commit suicide. And God says, no, he won't because I still have work for him to do. I've got my hands on you and I'm speaking about me so I can encourage you. And if I've gone through it, you can go through it too. How many of you know that God is still working on you? Come on. arms around somebody God showed me something little Dewey your daddy you and your son are in church three generations of black men that are standing up here Kim God told me to tell you to keep the faith baby God is so proud of a standard that others may think foolish. 
and allow me to speak into the lives of somebody here today. I'm not a fleeing evangelist. I'm not a profiteering prophet. Amen. I've never asked for anything for myself. And so I can speak truth where God says it. And God says, I've got work for you to do. These are family. God has so much for you to do. And some of you don't even know it. You, you don't even know what God can do through you. Young people, God says, I'm going to use you to change a neighborhood. I'm going to change a generation. Don't get caught up in all the gimmicks. Don't get caught up in all of the twinkling and the flashing stuff. God says, I just want you to know the sacredness of the altar. Because we're not changed by flashing lights. We're changed by the altar. It's the blood of Jesus. Amen, somebody. Close those eyes and maybe there is somebody in here today that says, Pastor Jackson, I'm willing and ready to accept the challenge to do what God has called me to do, to take that next step. If you're here after this prayer, I'll meet you at the altar. Father, we thank you. We bless you. Lord God, I thank you so much. Thank you for this series. Thank you for this year. Thank you for this message. We are indeed the work of your hand. Thank you for reminding us that all of our lives are flawed. I've shared my own personal testimony of how you use me to preach despite all of my inadequacies, all of my flaws. <laughs> there were times in my own life, Lord, in which even church folk, as a young man, gave up on me. Told my daddy, you better move on because he'll never amount to anything. But God, God, you, you took my weaknesses and shaped and molded them so that I can help somebody else. Thank you for people in my life, like Elder Frank English, Albert Simmons, Deacon Chip Jackson, and others, Deacon Stokes, and others, who, who never gave up on me, helped to shape me to be who I am today. Somebody you're working on, <laughs> some young person, Lord, use them in a powerful way. Thank you, because the best is still yet to come. This is our prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody that know it is so said amen. Give somebody a Holy Ghost hug and say his hands are still on you. Come on, if you're here today and you want to make that next step, come on, just stand. You want to take that step. Anybody else want to Thank you, young lady. Somebody else come. Somebody come and give this young lady a Holy Ghost hug. Come on, gentlemen. It took courage for you and somebody else. Come. 
whoever you are, whatever you're going through, God. God's doing something right now. God's doing something right now. Anyone else would? Thank you, young. Look at God. Come on, Bible way, clap those hands. Everybody just wave your hands right here. Thank you. Look at God. Look at these young people. Thank you. I told you God was raising up a new generation of young people that God's blessing. Come on as we take them. Look at God. You ought to be on your feet giving God a hand of praise. Oh, just know. Look at God. Thank you, young man. Somebody else. He has his hand. 